We're starting now. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. That's all right. So I thought about how I'd structure this in a productive way. Non, non-bag out way. Or there's some bag outs. No. Uh, mostly just talking about, I guess, what other people could relate to being, I always start with the backstory first. So I guess you can sort of talk about how you were at high school on the lead up to when you first started training and then to a sort of point that you're at now. Uh, we'll start with that. So take it away. Do you mean, uh, in terms of training, you mean? Uh, not in terms of training, just high school on the lead up, how things were, how you were. Um, I'd say I was mostly, I don't feel like I've changed in terms of my personality I feel like I've always been quiet not yeah not that outspoken I've never been one of those really loud people can you still hear me just anyways if you think of how I was then compared to now the biggest difference is not training or doing any sort of sport I'd say which is probably a big point because now training is a part of my normal routine, but back then, no exercise, no quarter. Well, I guess that brings it into now. Like I can feel, I can still feel the disbenefits of not having done sport. So that's probably the biggest thing that stands out in terms of. Well, you probably didn't ask what the difference is, but when I think back of how I was then compared to now, it was always to do with not training. Because that's such a big part of now, if that makes sense. Yeah. You haven't even addressed your timeline at all. How are you at high school as a person? Not much different. More shy, I'd say. Not that confident. I think over time, I built that up. Remember, address your timeline. What did you do as a high school person? How were you? I would mostly just see my friends, study. I was actually, I would actually do my homework and study. I was actually pretty good at school. I, was, I wasn't like above average amazing at school, but I did pretty okay. Got through high school, went to uni, straight out of uni, found a job full time. So I did communications at uni, got a marketing job outside of uni. And then did that for about two years before I started training or actually right after uni right when I was graduating is when I started PT Um, and then that's when I met you at Vision and I guess that started my timeline into beginning training but I would say as a person didn't really change much through high school to uni I would say more change happened outside why was that I think doing things that I didn't really think that I would do, gym-wise. I feel like training did play a big part of me changing as a person. So you felt like you changed? Um, More so in terms of goals setting. I didn't really have goals before. It was just doing what I was used to being around, like my environment then was go to school, 
go to uni, get a job, work at that job, and then just stay there until you like get promoted or make more money. But there was no um, no goals really ever set outside of that. Why is that? Because there's, I guess, a lot of people who would be in that position. And why do you think that is on your end? I think that's just what I knew. Like, I didn't grow up. I didn't know any different, I would say. Like, it's if my mom said, you should go to uni and then get a job. Well, you knew how it was then because I was still working. Like, that's how I was when I met you. I just thought that as safe, I guess. But I don't think I really got to do much goal setting. Oh, not that I didn't get to, but I guess I didn't really know much about the importance of it. Okay. And then what? So why would someone get sort of in that situation? So the reason I sort of asked about the timeline, which I think you went through very quickly. (laughs) I just don't think that much happened during the timeline. It feels like a blur. Like nothing exciting happened. That's worth mentioning. Oh, yeah. I didn't have any amazing cool experiences or anything. So you didn't travel, nothing like that? No, not until I was older, I would say. Okay. I feel like everything started after uni for me. Yeah. In what way? Just more experiences, doing things, becoming a bit more independent. Everything was just about um, going to school and then getting into uni and then graduating. And you said it was from your surroundings, so I guess... That was just the expectation. What was the surrounding or expectation? Every... Like, I didn't know... I guess culturally, maybe that's a big part of it. That's just what was normal. And if you didn't do that, you probably... I'm not saying everyone did it and whoever didn't do it was bad, but if that's not really what you did... You're kind of not really setting yourself up for success. Okay. So that was seen as like a... Like if you didn't have something to fall back on, if you didn't go to uni, um, that would have been seen as hurting your future maybe. Yeah. Like there was always emphasis at, during high school. I, I don't know. I'd say uh, you could see it a lot in the Persian community. I guess any ethnicity would see this, but... A lot of emphasis on doing good at school and, like, going to uni. And do you feel like that? So, yeah, I didn't even think of it like that. So do you feel like there's other people in your scenario where they look back on school and just see it as a blur because all they did was study, uni, do work, get money, and that's it, or...? Um, maybe not if they are still doing that thing. So what would it be then? Like corporate life. Not not everyone, but maybe that's just like, oh yeah, this is what I've always done. It's normal. So would they have less of a blur and see other things as like good or cool? Probably. I think, I think a part of it for me was I didn't really exp- 
explore hobbies or maybe like passions. Like I do enjoy what I do now because it's related to something I'm interested in, like training. But maybe because I didn't have like exposure to training or sport during school, it just felt like a blur because nothing really stood out as that enjoyable, if that makes sense. So you were sad all the time. <laughs> I wasn't sad, but I when I look back at me back then, I'm like, I love my life so much better now. Like if if past me saw my life now, I think I'd be like excited. Mm, interesting. Well, what about it uh, makes it exciting? Um, doing working in an environment that's positive, you can see like growth. I think especially with um, X Gym when X Gym started, I think that was like a big point for me in terms of getting excited about work because now like even if I look back. Well, you're basically building something from scratch. So all of us had some sort of role in making it what it is now. So you can look back and see, like, you did make some sort of impact or positive. You added something positive to it to get it to where it is today. Yeah. So I think... And there is, like, more responsibility on you because if it doesn't do good, it's because of your work output didn't help so what do you think uh about even having a gym or training makes it so exciting like why is that exciting some people might not see that as exciting maybe they're not doing it but they why yeah in your eyes why would that be such an exciting thing why would you look forward and think oh yeah i'd be really excited about that my old self um, I guess when you see like the achievements, so training, for example, like separate things you mean, like training in gym, having X gym. Oh no, just overall, like if someone's at uni or say they're still doing uni, maybe they have that same sort of, there's a lot of people that have cultural norms, I'd say. So if you feel as if what you're doing now is so exciting versus back then, what about now makes it so exciting versus before? Or were you actually excited before, but now you know what actually real excitement's like? Um, I think it's because uh, maybe I'm doing something that I never thought I'd do. And also maybe because I probably wouldn't have thought that I'd be able to do it. Like maybe it sounded too hard or would have sounded too hard. Oh, yeah. Is it too hard? Um, it can be hard. It's not like always good and they're like bad months or weeks. But it's still, a, there's always like a goal or there's always something extra to do. Like you, you reach something and you're like, okay, now we have to do this. Well, now we want to get to this, both with training and gym. Training and the gym. Well, I guess if we can sort of backlog a bit, your timeline of training i guess we're still on timeline a few questions in there but your timeline of training because this is a training podcast how was it how has it evolved previous beliefs maybe how's yeah your perspective on training and nutrition changed over the years so at the beginning i didn't have basically any knowledge of nutrition 
Nutrition growing up, I think I didn't have a good influence with nutrition in terms of diet culture. Um, I don't always want to blame the fashion community, but I think just how you grow up, like it's not like my parents knew any different when it came to what they knew, but you're obviously influenced by, like it made, makes me realise more now how much you're influenced growing up by, because that's all you know. So, for example, with food, it was always like the all or nothing approach with nutrition. You either had to be super like strict or restrictive, but then you knew that wasn't sustainable. And, like if the goal was always like weight loss. I always was around people commenting on weight, food. It was just, uh, I guess it was just a normal thing. Like if you went out to an event, there was always someone either commenting on someone's weight or praising you for weight loss, for example. And then you grow up thinking, oh, I have to always lose weight because that's a good thing. That's always what I'm like praised about, which is not a good mentality. So it was always about food being like good or bad, not just – not really like a sustainable approach about it. That's how I feel about it. Training – didn't know much. If there was any sort of training related, it would just be like walking or cardio was the way to go. And weights was considered to be, like to me, I remember the first time you were telling me that we were going to deadlift in a PT session. I I don't know if I said this to you or if I just thought it, but I thought, oh no, like my mom told me girls shouldn't lift heavy weights, it's not good for them. It's dangerous. They won't be able to have kids if they lift up heavy things. So that was like all I really knew. But it taught me that getting mostly with PT, it taught me that food can be like you can enjoy what you want to enjoy. In term, I think that's what tracking taught me, that I can still eat everything that I mostly like. But... You can still get to your goal at the same time and not feel like overly restricted. And with training, I think getting stronger wasn't like something I ever thought I'd focus on. I think it was always just about, like I said, losing weight, not really getting stronger. So is it the same since you started? You didn't answer the question. How's it evolved? What's changed? So... Yeah. Like now I think of, I still like eating food. I still love food. But I do see it more as fueling myself more than just like eating whatever I want type of thing. Yeah. But not also feeling restricted. Like I'm still able to eat ice cream every day. And still, and then like when I'm really strict on my food, I'm still like losing weight if if that's my goal at the time while enjoying food. Still having good balance. With training, it's definitely evolved where it was mostly like strength focused and I'm just in like it's training, weight training in general or powerlifting. Yeah, I never thought I'd do powerlifting. So, but then just hitting goals and getting stronger kind of came to a decision on my own. I was like, oh, doing a comp is something I want to do. Haven't done one since last year, but... I definitely look at training as more enjoyable. 
especially with weight training because it's always like hitting a new goal. I think I have to have goals. I guess most people do. But having some sort of goal to work towards really helps. And I I guess I realised the importance of having a goal with training and even with food after our wedding because my goal getting ready for our wedding was looking good, which is a normal thing. But because um, it wasn't really strength-related, I think that made me realise that I need to have a strength goal because then it kind of makes you feel like you don't have a direction. That's how I felt. When it was all about how I was looking, I feel like I like the event was over. That's why I don't like to base goals towards certain events because after it was over, kind of felt like, now what do I do? And it took me a while to feel like I wanted to continue getting stronger, especially when, like, you have injuries and things. But that's why I think having me personally having goals towards strength really helps me stay on track. Versus body composition or? Yeah, like, body composition is always a part of it because you still want to look good. But I don't think it can just be solely based, for me, off body composition because then you just don't feel I just felt like everything was just relating to how I was looking I kind of didn't think about my training as much well you think about training because you have to train to look good and you also have to eat good to look good but then when there was no like I guess powerlifting goals I felt like I had less direction so how has it evolved it's changed from hating exercise, I hated exercise before, to and struggling with having a good relationship with food, to enjoying training. Like, I do enjoy it. I find it really helps me physically and mentally. There are days when I still don't feel like it, but now it's just like a normal thing. So now before, like it was a very rare thing to do. Now it's just like a normal thing to do. So when you were with, say, so where was it when you first started? What was your training like? What was it after a year? What was it after? Like how did that timeline sort of progress forward? Um, so when I first started training, well, I guess I can get into the backstory of how I started PT. Um, so this is how I guess my home environment also helped. So at home, no one really, no one trained, no one ate that great. And then when Jess, my sister, started getting a PT, which was you, um, she, I was doing F45 back then. And that was like the first big gym shift for me was doing F45. Um, and then when Jess started getting PT, like I could see she was, I didn't really hear much about her sessions, but when she was at home, she was weighing her food on a scale and I didn't really understand why she was doing that. And then I found out how much she was paying for PT. I think back then it was $75 for a half hour. Um, I just thought, like, why are you paying that much money? I thought it was a bit of a rip-off. But I also was like, I thought her weighing her food was really weird. I was like, why would you do that? And then my mum started training with you as well, the same time as her. And I Why'd she start? Well, she had to. Well, she wanted to lose weight, 
So we, were, I wouldn't say we were that healthy, all three of us. Like Jess went in initially to lose weight. Like why didn't your mum see it as a ripper? Well, at the beginning, I think it was because it was a gift from Jess probably. But also she would have seen that Jess was getting results. Jess was getting results. She was losing weight. She was looking good. Um, I don't know how long it was until after that we all started. I think she was doing it for at least three or four months before I started. Um, yeah, and then my mum obviously saw that it was helping and she needed help because she had no training experience or um, good habits really. And then after that my mum was like, Jasmine, you should do it. You know, it's really good. Her favourite word, really good. And then... No, I, it's so good. So good, Jasmine, you should go. And I was like, okay. Like I was doing F45 and because that felt like norm, comfortable for me, I was like, oh, I don't know. I think they took me, it took a few like words, not words from them, but they just said it a few times and I was like, fine, I'll go have a look. Um, but I think one of the things that made me um, check out vision was it was, I could see that it was personalised to them. Like Jess would show me, oh, this is what I'm eating because, and I, she was vegan at the time. She's like, I'm getting help with vegan stuff. Like my trainer's looking at vegan options for me and that's not what F45 is like. So I thought I would stop F45. I went to Vision, did a consult with Dylan and then booked in to start with you and just started learning. I remember learning how to squat, do like weight training stuff. I found that a lot more enjoyable than just cardio because by that time I was getting a bit bored of cardio at F45 because there was not there's no real way to track progression. Like I lost a bit of weight because I was doing more activity, but I didn't really know how I was progressing in terms of anything else. And food wasn't changing. Like there was no help with food really. Um, and then, yeah, I tried it out. And then I could see that – I could see – I feel like early on I could notice some novice gains. Like I felt like my arms were looking leaner. Even though we were doing a bulk – I think we started off bulking and then losing a bit of weight. But, like, I could see some body composition changes. And also I felt a bit stronger because I was progressing. But I could actually see the progression. It was like there was data there. Like there was some sort of program and tracking of food. And that kind of built my habits to track. So I was like five years ago, I think. And I'm still being able to sustain that consistently for five years. Sweet. Yeah, I think so sustainability then, is a big thing. So what about when you move to different trainers? and Like when you moved to Brad, then when you did your comps, or mm -hmm. how was that progressive period? Because you weren't that strong when you were with me. No. Nah. Um, I think Brad really just pushed me more with strength. Um, I had to really just get used to being pushed because obviously I would cap myself having because there was a time where you were programming me but not training me and so I kind of was just on my own so I obviously wasn't pushing myself that much and then when Brad started training me the sessions were so hard it felt like I always told him I feel like I'm at fat camp like I would be dying at the end of every session. 
But I think he really pushed me to get stronger, if that makes sense. And then people kept saying, oh, do a comp, do a comp. And Brad was like, you should do a comp. But I didn't want to at that point. I really didn't want to compete because I thought it would take the fun out of it. And I didn't want the pressure of competing on comp day. I thought it sounded scary. But then I came to like my, my own decision of I'll do a comp and it was a novice women's only comp. So I think that was a good start for me to get confident. But I really enjoyed it. So I thought that it was something I wanted to keep doing. But another thing with comps that really helped me, so why I still think comps were a great thing for me, was the having a weight class meant like I had to really, like that really pushed me to lose weight. Because there was a time during that time where I had no trainer, where I actually put on, I, think I put on like five kilos it wasn't like I was still tracking here and there but I wasn't um what's the word that adherent because no one was really and I wasn't really going to listen to you so during that time when I had no one really um what's the word what does a train accountability I didn't have as much accountability so I put on a bit of weight and then started training with Brad and then after I did my first comp I was like okay if I want to do APU I have to cut down to 62 so it's kind of like I have to do it Is I want to do it sorry yeah but I, I went down to 62 oh yeah um but it was like I, I want to do it but I also have a real reason why I'm doing it which was making weight because I remember that my first novice comp they still weigh you so I I went on the scales and I thought that I was like 65 and I went on the scales and it was 67.5 and I was shocked. I was like, how did I let myself go? Because they have the accurate scales. Yeah. So you were probably using like... Target scales or something. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't think that I had let myself just get to that weight because I've never been heavier than... I think 68 ever. So you almost at your heaviest. Yeah, basically. But I, yeah. But I was, I was still training, but like, I think that's when I realised food plays a big role in how I look as well. But I didn't like that I had let myself get to that point. So I was like, crap, I have to do something. So what do you do? What do you change with Brad? Um... Well, when I had first started with him, I told him my goal was to get to 62. But I think because I wasn't like, yeah, I don't really have a reason to want to be, like I want to be 62, but I have nothing pushing me. And I think that's when comp weight class or APU really made me get there. Because I had such, I didn't have much time either. I think I only had four months, February, March, yeah, four months from February to June. If I wanted to do states at APU to um, make weight. I remember just I would meal prep, like I'd I had better habits with eating, but it's not like I was eating um, the most exciting foods. But I was getting used to not having to love, like I was liking everything I was eating, but I was getting used to not always treating myself with food. Yeah, using it more to fuel me. I was just eating like pasta, chicken, veggies, pasta, mints, or veggies. It was basically the same meals, but. Seeing it more as helping my training rather than just eating for enjoyment all the time. So, 
How many comps have you done now? I think I've done six. Two two novice comps, four APU comps. Was that one at uh, Penrith, your first one? Yeah, when it was um, strength. What was it called? City Strength? Strength Nation. Oh, Strength Nation. Yeah, yeah. That was my first one. And then second? Second one was States at APU. I just jumped straight to my second one. States straight away? Yeah, that year, four months later. Did they just let you do that? Um, there wasn't as many competitors. I think I made the total. How did you make it there from a novice comp? Actually, no. There was no qualifiers before then, that time. Oh, okay. There was no qualifiers. After that that year, I went back to doing a novice because I, I did the same numbers at APU that I did at my first novice comp, but I was lighter, like five kilos lighter. I still wasn't like that happy with how I did at States, but then that year... I tried, it was Black Flag, the Christmas one. Yeah. And then the next year I did qualifiers for states again. Then I did, and then it was lockdown, so we couldn't compete. And then the following year was qualifiers again, and then I ended up doing states. Sweet. So how was your improvements over that time? Strength-wise? Yeah. Um, I got. I feel like I got pretty strong, and it didn't take a crazy amount of time i think it was just being i was pretty consistent so when you first lost the weight Mm. did your strength go down yeah basically just stayed the same oh yeah that first time that i had to cut like four or five five kilos oh yeah it stayed the same i didn't get any better but then after that i kind of maintained my weight for a while still sitting around the 62 mark sometimes i went down to 60 and then did you go better yeah my i got stronger and then at your last comp, was that your best one? That was my best total, yeah. What did you get? Um, squats were bad. I think that's what really um, shook my confidence a bit for competing this year amongst like my goals changing a little bit. But I only got 90 for squat. I only got my first squat. Depth, of course, was the other issue for my other two. And then I got 62.5 bench. That was actually probably my biggest improvement. And then um, 152.5 deadlifts, yeah. Okay. And then what are you hoping to do next year? Are you competing again or what? I want to compete again next year. Um, I think I'm just basing everything house off like squats because I think that's how I feel. That's what I feel the least confident about with training. But yeah. I still want to compete next year. Okay. So that's a good timeline and then training timeline now. So I guess your bit of advice for, I guess, someone that's in a similar circumstance to you or I guess there's a relation around females, but there are a lot more females sort of coming out that aren't really shy or scared of the gym. But I guess there's still a big portion of females that might be a bit intimidated for it. What's your advice to them? Should they do it? Should they sort of play it safe? Like what's, yeah, what in your experience as someone who might be shy, what's your advice for someone who's also in a similar scenario? About wanting to train? Yeah, wanting to train or maybe the the cultural background and um, the norms yeah. put on them. I would say if you've even just thought about it once, then it's worth trying. You don't want to like regret not doing something. 
I started, I feel, not that late, but like I was only, I was already 21 when I started. And before then I had no experience. And then if I can explain the difference of me five years, during that five years, I feel like it's changed a lot for me in a good way. Since training, I feel like training really changed a lot um, in terms of, I guess I'd say it changed a lot of my life because because of that um, I did things I never would have thought I'd do, like comps. I feel better about myself. I feel like I'm mentally stronger as well because you just have to learn to deal with the things when they don't feel good and feel uncomfortable. Um, so I would say if you've even just thought about it, then it's worth trying. But, like, actually give it a proper try. Versus what? Instead of just trying it one time and saying it's not for you or it's not working because it's not going to look like it's working at the beginning. Because what makes you say that? Like, you didn't necessarily need to say a proper try. Like, yeah, where does that come from? Um, I think I've seen some people where if they something doesn't magically work in the first, like, few weeks or even few I guess a few days, I can't really say a few days, but a few weeks, they would think it just doesn't work for them. But it's not, that's not how it works. Like if I've seen the difference, I'm like, it took me five years to get to this point. And it might not seem like a crazy difference to other people in terms of like me as a person. I obviously know that the difference. But it took five years. That's a long time. But it's it will take a long time, I guess. Five years to get to what point on more of a uh, objective level? Well, like five years to be at my strength, I guess. I don't know how people would perceive like my strength. They might just be like, "Oh yeah, I don't know what that means." Yeah. But if I could remember just being able to bench at the bar only and then the other day I did 70 for two that took five years and it's only 70 kilos or deadlifting for the first time I think it was like 30 kilos or 40 kilos and then I haven't done heavy in a long time but then I got to like 152 that took a long time it's not always have to be like training related but or like strength related but you will look back and then notice the progress you're not going to notice it at the beginning or you'll notice the little things and I think noticing the little things or recording progress at the beginning is important because then you can see like it's actually working but you won't see like the big picture until ages later I think that's something I wish I did at the beginning record progress a bit better in terms of lifting form more photos yeah so what would be your advice overall? Um, you said give it a try, give it a good try. That's it? I think investing into a PT was probably the best thing because I wouldn't have been able to start anywhere without one. Like how would you know where to start? Or even if you've got a program online, how would you know that you're doing it properly? You could be wasting time trying it and not really doing good at it. It's not like you're not really progressing because you're not doing it properly. So I guess don't be f- afraid to spend money on yourself to get a trainer. 
or a coach? I think it's becoming more and more normal, if I can But there will be there will be people telling you why or asking you why you're doing that. Like why are you spending money on that? Uh, okay, so mo- not more so. I know a lot of people do it, but when you hear people say like, oh, that's not a good decision or like why are you spending that much money? It's not – it can't possibly be worth it. Mm, but it is worth it. Like how would they know if they haven't done it? Oh, yeah. And then you yourself wouldn't know if you've ever done it either. Yeah, I guess so. Like on the scheme of things, is it actually – if you needed to try it, like I don't know, four weeks, eight weeks? I would say give it at least a few months. Okay. Like I would say at least six months. I think at the six-month mark you can really tell – like you can see something. Okay. Yeah, I guess six months. That'll be like a couple thousand dollars. Yeah. But you, you won't regret spending – I don't personally think, based on my experience, that you would ever regret spending that much, especially on yourself, if it's only going to make your life better. Yeah. I guess you're going to live for a long time and just knowing how to do it even properly or learning the mechanics behind it or getting someone to really teach you properly. Mm. On the scheme of your whole life, it's probably not actually that much. No. Because, like, think about how many other things you spend money on and you don't even think about it. Um, I was never really a person to go out every weekend, but people don't even blink at doing that, and that's not cheap. Well, like it's a it's a norm. No it's one a really norm, goes but just like they, them having their outings as a norm, PT for me was a norm. Like okay. it was just a part of my weekly expenses. I was just like, yeah, this is normal for me. It's normal for me to spend this much on me. That was just what I got used to. It's like it was a necessity, but I guess I'm not saying like you can't ever have fun, but you just have to think about where your priorities are with like how much you want to go out versus why think twice about spending money on benefiting your life. So what do you think that is? Like I haven't really asked this question, but why do you personally think it's a it's okay to spend I don't know Let's say hundreds of, let's say two hundred dollars, two hundred, three hundred dollars going out, like partying for two days, three days throughout the week. But then, if you spend that same amount on training, coaching, dieting, whatever it is regarding fitness, that it's sort of seen as like, ooh, are you sure you want to do that? Um, maybe the sh- like short term versus long term gratification. In like terms of what, like going if you party, out, you'll feel like instantly great. Uh, or maybe you instantly feel like amazing because you're out having fun. But when it's something that's like based around long-term work, they're like, nah, it's going to take too long maybe. Maybe that's what they think. Oh, yeah, that's a different take. Because I was always thinking like, oh. Actually, I think a big part is your circle as well. If your friends don't do what you're doing or if your friends don't train – or think it's worthwhile, you probably won't think that it is either. Yeah. But then again, I don't have a crazy amount of friends that train. I made more friends through training than, uh, I, than I already have friends that are training. Yeah, I get what you mean. Because I was always going to think back to, will your parents know what it's like to party? And your parents' parents know what it's like to party and you spend money on partying and whatnot. But your parents 
don't necessarily know what it's like to spend money on a PT and your parents' parents don't necessarily know what it's like. They don't know what it's like mm. to spend money on PT because just grandparents these days wouldn't have had a PT. Yeah. Some parents might have, but I think maybe the next generation of kids, their parents probably had a PT. Yeah, and I, like that's what I think about when I think of how I want my kids to grow up. Like I want them to think this is normal. It's normal for me now, but it wasn't normal for me before. And I think because my parents didn't know and their parents didn't know, and I then just did what they was normal from them. But then now I'm realising, like, this is my new normal. I want it to be normal. Like, I want to continue it. Yeah. All right. Well, that's about all we have time for in the podcast, but thanks for coming on. Thank you. And yeah, be sure to check out Jasmine's next year's lifting journey, competing. Yeah. See you later.